Well, good morning, Epic. How are you today? All right. I thought that would be a great clip for us to watch, especially after Thanksgiving. I don't know what happened for you, but I feel like at Thanksgiving, like I ate like every couple of hours just because it was time to eat again. Like, hey, you ready to eat? Sure. Yeah, there's more food, so let's eat. So that kind of clip makes me want to just get up off the couch and go do something. So this morning, we're going to get up off our seats, kind of. You'll stay seated. But we're going to get up and we're going to do something. We're going to learn about fighting in this battle that we've been talking about over the past few weeks. So if you're new with us, we're in a series called Pick a Fight. And we are learning that there are some things in life that God says, these things are so valuable that I want you to draw your sword I want you to charge into battle. I want you to pick a fight because that thing is so important. It's so valuable that it's even worth dying for. So in this series, we're learning about things that God says, hey, that thing is so valuable. It's worth you giving your life for. It's worth you fighting for it. So far in this series, we have picked a fight for justice And we've picked a fight for truth, and we've picked a fight with ourselves. And I I assume that you're a whole lot like me, and we talked in that message about the reality that God wants us to learn to become more like Jesus. That's God's goal for us. But there's something that stands in our way. There's something that stands in my way, keeping me from becoming more like Jesus. There's something that stands in your way, keeping you from becoming more like Jesus. That thing is you. The thing standing in my way, keeping me from becoming more like Jesus, is me. And so we have to draw our swords every day and fight ourselves in order for us to learn to become more like Jesus. And then last week, Tim did a great job of teaching on this issue of unity, that God wants us to fight for unity, that unity is so valuable to God. He says, it is worth you drawing your sword and fighting for. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. But today we're going to look at our great enemy. We're in this spiritual battle. And so we're going to look at our enemy. And if we're going to learn how to fight against our enemy, we need to understand a little bit about our enemy. And then we need to understand a little bit about the weapons that God provides for us to fight against him. And again, we've said in this series that often we fight in wrong ways and for wrong things. So we have inside of us this desire to fight. We're all fighters. And usually we fight for wrong things. And God says, listen, I don't want you fighting for wrong things. I want you fighting for right things. And I want you fighting in right ways for those things. So that's what we're going to be doing today, learning how to fight in God's ways and for God's ways. Now, today just might feel like information overload. So I'm going to throw a bunch of information at you, and you just might feel like, whoa, like my head's about to pop. If you are a note taker, we have some uh, uh, pages next to you, a spiritual growth challenge. On the backside is a blank sheet of paper. Um, I'd encourage you to take some notes and do your best to keep up. Like, keep your seatbelt on, because I'm going to be flying. We've got pins at the back of each seating section if you want to grab one of those. And we're going to start today in Ephesians chapter 6. So if you need a Bible, we've got Bibles at the back of each seating section. Grab a Bible. If you have a Bible, turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. If you've got a Bible app on your phone, go ahead and bring that up. We're going to start in verse 10, a great passage that we're going to look at here today, and there is a lot 
in these nine verses that we have. Now, if you're one of those people that likes to know the why behind things, like not just the what, but likes to know the why, we're going to get into a little bit of that today. So here we go. Ephesians chapter six, starting in verse 10. It says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy In the time of evil, then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet And take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now we're gonna spend our day unpacking those nine verses together. In verse 12, it tells us that we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. It says that we are fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, mighty powers in this dark world, evil spirits in the heavenly places. And then verse 11 tells us that we are battling the devil himself. Now, these two verses tell us several things. First is, our fight is not with people. That's a, that's a huge reality that we've got to grasp. We really have to understand that truth. Our fight is not with people. Now, here's what happens for all of us. When you are in a fight with your spouse, when you're in a fight with your parents or a fight with one of your kids or your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or one of your friends, you think your battle is with that person. It's not. When I'm fighting my wife, when I'm in an argument or a passionate discussion that we like to call it at our house, you know, when I'm in one of those passionate discussions, my mind tells me I am fighting her. Her mind tells her she's fighting me, but that's not true. The Bible says our battle is not with people. It's not against flesh and blood. Our battle is with Satan and his demons. Now, there are different views on the subject of Satan. There are some people who do not believe in him at all, who who believe that maybe he's just a made-up mythical character. There are others who are afraid he's waiting around every corner ready to pounce on them. And then there's all kinds of beliefs in between. So I don't know where you are on the belief of Satan, but here's one reason why I believe in Satan and his demons. Jesus believed in Satan. Jesus believed in and his demons. Jesus actually described Satan as the father of lies. And he said, listen, Satan is the kind of character that all he knows to do is lie. He's, he's like a murderer. And he wants to do anything and everything he can to pull you away from your relationship with God. So Jesus believed in Satan. If you believe in Jesus, it would be consistent for you to believe in Satan as well. 
Now, if you would say, listen, I'm here today and I'm not so sure I even believe in Jesus. Like, I get that. I I understand that. Um, But that's a whole nother subject that we're not going to be dealing with today. So for today, we're operating on the belief that Satan is a real being, real being. And he wants to do anything and everything he can to keep us from growing in our relationship with God. Now, let me give you a brief overview of Satan, and obviously this will not be exhaustive. But Satan is an angel who was created by Jesus. Now, that's another reason that Jesus believes in Satan. He created him. So you would think that you created something, you would believe in the thing that you created. Now, that's a profound reality that we need to understand. Often what we do with Satan is we put God up here and we put Satan on the same level. And we think the universe is a battle between God and Satan. And we think that Satan is as powerful as God. That is not theologically correct. There is God who is a divine being, which means he was not created. And then under him are all other beings that are created, created beings. That includes angels, that includes humanity. So Satan is a powerful being, but only because God has given him that power. That's the only reason he has power. So we've got to keep Satan in his proper place. We can't ever put him up with God and say that he is an equal to God. He is not equal to God. He may be powerful, but his power does not even come close to God's power. So keep Satan in his proper place. Now, the Bible teaches that there are millions of angels, but it only gives us the name of three angels in the Bible. So we have Michael, which is known as the the most powerful angel. Then we have Gabriel which is known as God's messenger. So Gabriel is usually the one delivering messages to humanity. Then we have this angel called Lucifer, known as the most beautiful angel. And something happened in Lucifer's heart while God was creating. So God has this audience of angels, millions of angels watching him create. And he speaks and the universe bursts into existence. And all the other angels are watching going, wow, did you see that? High five, that's awesome. Not with Lucifer. Lucifer went, I want that. I want that power. I like what he has. I want to be more powerful than God. So the Bible teaches that Lucifer went out to convince other angels to join him in a rebellion against God so he could get God's power. The Bible teaches he was able to convince a third of the angels of heaven. So we're talking millions of angels and a third of those angels decided to follow Satan in a rebellion against God. And God said, I'm not having it. So God banished Lucifer from his presence. And along with that banishment came a name change. And that name change for Lucifer, his name went from Lucifer and God said, your name will now be Satan, which means adversary. And then all of the angels who followed Satan, they also got a name change along with their banishment. The name change, they went from angels to fallen angels or demons. That's where we get the name Satan from. It's where we get the name demons from. They are fallen angels. Now, Satan's primary mission in life is to keep people from putting their faith in Jesus. So if you're here today and you say, listen, I'm not a Christ follower. Like I don't subscribe to that. I don't know if I believe all that. I haven't put my faith in Jesus yet. Satan wants to keep you there. 
He does not want you to put your faith in Jesus. He does not want you to move forward in a relationship with him. If you have put your faith in Jesus, then Satan wants to do anything and everything he can to keep you from being an effective follower. He doesn't want you to learn his principles. He doesn't want you to apply. He doesn't want you to think that you're in a battle. He wants to convince you that, ah, maybe it's not that big of a deal. Maybe it's not that big of a spiritual issue out there. He just wants to convince you to put your weapon down. Doesn't want you fighting against him. If he can convince you of that, it's just like you joining his side. If you're gonna put your weapon down, he's happy. You just put your weapon down. You're not really fighting. You're not an influence. We're not an influence against him. So that's his goal. Now, listen to what 1 Peter 5.8 says as it describes Satan. It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Um, anybody like those wilderness shows? You know, like you're watching the African safari deal and you're watching the little zebra, you know, lop off from the group. And then the the lioness or the lion are just waiting. I mean, that's the picture here that we get of Satan, just waiting. Yeah, yeah like just, just lop off all by yourself and away from the body of Christ and a relationship with God and get all alone. And then along comes this roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Verse nine says, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. So if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a mortal enemy of this real being called Satan and his demons. They hate you. And they will do anything and everything they can to keep you from moving forward in your relationship with Christ. Now, if you've ever wondered why the Christian life can be sometimes difficult, sometimes it can be hard, can it? I mean, there's moments that God's asked us to do something and it's difficult to do that thing. We don't wanna do that. There are seasons where, where our faith is being stretched and grown in new ways and it's really hard. If you've ever thought that, that a relationship with God is hard, you can thank Satan for it because he wants to make it that way. He wants to make it difficult for you. And so our battle is with this real being. Now, verse 11 tells us to put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Now, I think Satan uses at least five strategies against us. I'm gonna call them the five Ds. Okay, so here are the five Ds. Disunity, discouragement, distraction, doubt, and deception. So those are Satan's five strategies against us. The first one is disunity. We talked about the incredible importance of that last week, the fighting for unity. And Tim did a great job. He came up with this bottom line statement to help us to remember the message. And so I'm just curious, if you were here last week, who remembers that great bottom line statement? Don't everybody go at once. Are we okay was a good one. It was a part of it, but that wasn't exactly the one. You got it. You got it. Woo. Way to go. Good job. So fight for we instead of me. Now we are great at fighting for me. I'm great at fighting for me. You know, if it's something I think I should have, or it's a right I think I should have, or an opinion that, that I want to tell other people about, I'm great at fighting for me. But God says, listen, it's way more important to fight for we. It's, it's this unity thing. And so Satan comes along and wants to fight against us and create disunity in any possible way that he can. In John 17, Jesus prayed 
that his followers would be unified. So, so get that picture. So Jesus prays to God the Father and says, listen, I pray that all my followers would be unified, just like you and I, God the Father, we are one. I pray that they would be one. And you can bet that Satan heard that prayer. And you can bet Satan will do anything and everything he can to keep us from answering Jesus' prayer. And when we fight for unity, it's our opportunity to answer Jesus' prayer. I mean, I mean, get the reality of that. We pray to God asking God to answer our prayers. Fighting for unity is an opportunity for us to specifically answer Jesus' prayer. So how are you doing at fighting for unity? How are you doing at drawing your sword and saying, you know what, we is way more important than me. We is worth fighting for. Unity is something definitely worth fighting for. So Satan comes along, he tries to divide in any way possible. He wants to divide friendships, he wants to divide families, he wants to divide churches, and he founds, he's found that churches are a fun place to play because we like to fight, and he knows that, so he slips in between our relationships and causes us to to get all uh, amped up on things that are not all that important. And we draw our swords and say, I'm gonna fight for me. And God comes along and says, put your sword away. Fight the right way. Fight for we, not just for me. Now Satan's second strategy against us is this thing called discouragement. So he wants to get us discouraged about the spiritual battle that we're in. And here's what happens when we are discouraged. We don't care about anything. If you've ever been discouraged before, you know what that's like. I mean, who cares? What does it matter anyway? I mean, I mean it, I'm, I'm in this battle, but I'm probably not going to win. Uh, I, I don't know how to defeat this enemy. I don't know how to defeat this issue in my life. And we just give up, and we put our weapon down, and Satan loves that. He loves to get us discouraged. And there are way too many Christians out there that are just discouraged in their faith. And they've put their sword down. They've put their weapons down. And they're not fighting anymore. And Satan loves it. He does not want us fighting. So if he can get us discouraged over anything, then we'll just become ineffective in our relationship with God. Now, Satan's third strategy, strategy against us is this thing called distraction. And how many of you know that you are easily distractible? Like if your hand's not up, something's wrong. So we are all easily distractible, and Satan loves to distract us with, with anything and everything. It's all about temptation, and so we like shiny things. I don't know if you like shiny things. I, well, actually, I do know you like shiny things. There's something that you like, and Satan dangles it over here, and you go, oh, wow, shiny thing. And you get off on your relationship with God, distracted by whatever that thing is. And there's, you know, I don't know how many people there are here. Let's say 100 people. There are 100 different shiny things that Satan's dangling in front of us. He studied you. You have a demon studying you. They know your behavior. They know your life. They know what you do. They know when you fall into that thing. They know when you lean in that direction. They know when you, your eyes perk up when that thing comes on. They know what's going on in your world. They pay attention. And so anytime there's an opportunity to distract you away from God, they dangle a shiny thing. And often we take the bait. And, oh, again, shiny thing. And we may walk down that road 20 times. And every time, where does it lead? A bad place doesn't lead to a good place. It distracts us away from our relationship with God. So all of us have something that distracts us away. Now, here's another thing that Satan uses to subtly distract us away, to tempt us away from our relationship with God, and it's our busy schedules. 
we get so busy, we just schedule God right out of our calendars. And I, I can't tell you the number of, of people that I talk to. And if you ever like come to church once or twice or whatever, or come in a season and then you like don't come for a few weeks or something a month. And then I see you out in the store. I am not keeping attendance. Okay. So often I'll see somebody, they haven't come for a few weeks. And the first thing out of their mouth is, I know I got to get back to church and I've been there in a few weeks. I'm like, I'm not really keeping attendance. Like, I don't know if you've been there or not. So I'm not looking for that. But often what I hear from people is something along these lines, man, just been so busy. Um, just haven't had time for church. Just haven't had time for, for God. Haven't had time to really read my Bible or get involved in a small group or get active in serving. I just don't have time for that. I'm just way too busy. So what we do is we just schedule God right out of our calendars. And we have these good intentions. Our intentions are always to engage God and be at church and grow in our relationship with him. We've got these great intentions. But we look at our calendars and God's not on them. And I'm not saying that I'm exempt from that. I mean, it's easy for me to get so busy in life that even as a pastor, there are moments that I'm like, hey, come into the office in the morning, open my Bible. Usually my practice is opening my Bible, spend some time reading, praying before I do anything. But there's always a temptation for me to go, man, I gotta get working on the next message. I gotta get working on the next message. I got the next thing. I got some emails to, to return. I got some phone calls to return. I got a meeting I gotta get ready for. I'm always tempted, tempted to push my time with God aside. But we can't do that. We've got to keep God front and center in our relationship, uh, in our calendars, in our, in our relationship with him so that it'll continue to grow. Now, our fourth and fifth Ds are doubt and deception. So Satan is constantly trying to get us to doubt God or believe lies about him. And if we have doubts about who he really is, about his promises, about his written word, we won't trust him. We start doubting God and you go, I'm not so sure God's really good. And Satan comes along and he whispers to us, if God was such a loving God, why would you be going through such a difficult time right now? I mean, if he was such a great God, if he was so powerful, I mean, he could just snap his fingers and your problem was, would be gone. Why would he allow you to stay that way? And we start entertaining that thought and keeping that thought going in our brains. And then before too long, we start wondering, yeah, I don't know if I fully trust God. I mean, because I'm really going through a difficult time in my life. Or he whispers to us, why read the Bible? You know, I mean, that pastor is always talking about reading the Bible. You should read your Bible. There's some great stories in there. But it was written thousands of years ago by sinful men. I mean, like, you can't really trust it. You know what you should do? You should follow your heart because your heart is always going to lead you to a good place. Right? Oh, somebody knows that that's a, that's a lie. Like, if you've ever followed your heart, like, you know it leads to bad places. And what do we do? We follow it again. Why? Because we think, oh, it's going to lead me to a good place. This time, and we find out, oh, again, it's the 200th time I followed it, and he tricked me again. Our hearts don't always lead us to great places. We've got to be careful about the lies that Satan tries to whisper to us. Okay. So we've talked about our enemy a little bit and about his strategies against us. Now we're going to transition. We're going to talk about our armor and our weapons that God has given us. So verse 14 tells us to put on the belt of truth. Now, the author of this letter is a guy by the name of Paul. And Paul is writing to a group of people who would understand what a Roman soldier looked like. So he starts using an analogy to describe Roman soldiers. 
And so for us today, if you would think like our military and the, the armor that our military wears, the weapons that our military uses, we would understand that a little bit more. But for Paul, he's talking to his audience saying, listen, you know what a Roman soldier looks like. You know the armor that they wear. And I'm gonna describe our battle in spiritual terms by looking at a Roman soldier's armor. So when he's talking about the belt of truth, ladies, he's not talking about a, a decorated belt that you like to wear because it has bling on it, okay? It, it was very purposeful belt. It had a, a specific purpose. It not only held him at the core of his being, it held a sword to his side. It made all the other parts of his armor work properly. So it held him together. It was a critical part of a Roman soldier's uh, uniform. Now, Paul tells us that truth holds us together, just like a belt for a Roman soldier holds his uniform together. It holds us at the core of our beings, helps all other parts to work together. And Jesus said, truth is so important that he came to earth to testify to the truth. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So truth, it's like having the core of Jesus wrapped around the core of our body saying, I'm held together by Jesus and his truth. I'm gonna stand firm on that truth. Now, verse 14 also tells us to put on the body armor of righteousness. That's also described in the Bible as the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the breastplate of righteousness or body armor would protect the chest and stomach area of a Roman soldier. So you could take a, a cut to the arm or a cut to the legs much easier than you could take a cut to the core of your body. So our chest and our stomach, they protect our heart, our lungs, some vital organs, obviously, that we need in battle. Now, if you took a deep wound to the core of your body in battle, most likely you would die. Now, a great, a great way to remember what righteousness means is to think of the words right living. So right living, living as God designed us to live. And right living protects our hearts. It protects the path that we go on. Because the Bible says your heart will determine the course of your life. So when we protect our hearts, it protects the path that we're on. And it's, it's how God uses, uses that armor to keep us on good paths in life. So right living protects us and keeps us headed in the right direction. So next comes our shoes of peace. Now you can imagine how important footwear would be for a Roman soldier. They were often fighting on very rocky terrain. And so it would be extremely important for them to have very firm footing, something that they could hold onto the ground, get some traction with as they fight. If they lose their footing, they're gonna not just lose the battle, they're gonna lose their lives. Now, uh, um, for those of you who are football fans, imagine your favorite football team making this major announcement before their next game, that they are so manly, they are so tough, that they are not gonna use cleats. I mean, they are just so cool. They're like, we don't need those. We are just gonna go into our game and we are gonna beat that team and we're gonna prove how cool we are because we aren't even gonna wear cleats that day. Now, unless you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, sorry, shameless plug, but yeah. Somebody's gotta support them. So obviously it'd be a horrible football game to watch. It may be a funny football game to watch because they would get slaughtered. So the same deal 
is in reality for a Roman soldier. They got to have good footwear to stand firm in their battle. Now, verse 15 tells us that our shoes of peace come from the good news. And the good news is the reality that God in the flesh came to earth to die so we can live. That's the good news. So when we understand that and we strap that onto our feet, we have good foundation. We have good footing to stand on. We can stand firm on that reality. Verse 16 tells us to hold up our shield of faith. And then over in Hebrews 11, it tells us what faith really means. So it says this, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Now, faith is not us mustering up a bunch of this good hope, positive thoughts. Now, I hope God comes through. I hope that Christianity is real. I hope it's not just a big joke. That's not what faith in the Bible means. True faith means that we have confidence that what God said will happen. It may not happen when we want it to happen. Let me correct that. It will not happen when we want it to happen. It will not happen how we want it to happen. But if God has said something, it will happen. That's what true faith means. We've got faith in God knowing that whatever God has said, it will happen. And when we hold up that shield of faith, it protects us from those fiery arrows from the enemy. So we've got those arrows of doubt and deception and discouragement that come at us. And when we hold up that shield of faith saying, I am confident that what God said he will do, it protects us from those arrows that can often stick and then get infected in who we are and pull us away from our relationship with God. Verse 17, everybody okay? You still tracking, taking notes? All right, here we go, we're almost there. Verse 17 tells us to put on our helmet of salvation. Now, just like we would think of a helmet protecting our heads, uh, you know, football players wear helmets, baseball players wear helmets. If you're riding a bike, you, you might be wearing a helmet and it protects our, our physical heads. Now, in this context, it's protecting our minds. And that's the place that the enemy loves to attack us. That's where most of our battles are fought. That's where they're, they're won and lost is right here, right here between our ears. When the enemy tries to come in and influence how we think, if he can influence how we think, then he can influence how we live. And so this is the most important battleground right here, the thoughts that we think, what we choose to believe or not believe. So we've got to stay firm on that. We've got to wear this this helmet that's going to protect how we think. And this verse says it's the helmet of salvation. Now, salvation is what Paul's talking about in Romans 10, 9, that says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And saved means you will be saved from this real place called hell, a place that God created for Satan and his demons. He doesn't want any human to ever go there, but humans that choose to turn away from God, to not believe in Jesus, will go there. It's a sad reality, but God does not want that. So that's why he's made a way for us to be saved. Acts 4.12 says, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So salvation means we believe that Jesus, God in the flesh, died so we can live. And that's a free gift offered to all of us. We believe that. Not only do we believe that, but we believe it so much we live it. 
We say, you know what? I'm going to go out and I'm just going to live. I'm going to follow Jesus. Whatever Jesus tells me to do, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do what he's asked me to do. I believe that so much. The reality of our salvation keeps us from wandering around, wondering if we're in a relationship with God. We shouldn't have to wonder. We shouldn't have to wonder, well, I, I hope I've been good enough. I hope I'm in a relationship with God. I mean, we can know, the Bible says you can know if you're in a relationship with God. I mean, it's like if you think about your relationship with one of your parents, you don't have to wander around wondering, am I in a relationship with my, my dad or my mom? Yes, you're in a relationship. That relationship's been established. It's a family bond that's there. It may not be a good relationship, but you're in that relationship. We shouldn't have to wander around wondering. The helmet of salvation helps us to know we're in that relationship. Now, Verse 17 also tells us to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, it's interesting that the Bible is one of our only offensive weapons. All the other tools we're talking about are defensive weapons. But the Bible helps us to stay on the offensive against our enemy. Now, here's one of our problems with the Bible is that most of us don't know how to use it. And when you don't know how to use something, it can be dangerous to to ourselves. It can be dangerous to other people. Or here's the, probably the biggest issue that happens when we don't know how to use the Bible, we don't use it at all. We just put it down and go, I don't really know how to use that thing. So I'll just leave it alone. But listen to what Jesus did when he was in starting his earthly ministry. So right before he kind of came public in his ministry of why he was here, telling people about the kingdom of God, he went out into the wilderness for 40 days. He fasted for 40 days. So for him in that context, what that meant was he drank water for 40 days. He did not eat any food for 40 days. And he got very tired. You can imagine, he got extremely tired. And in that moment when he was tired and worn out, Satan slithered in and tempted him with everything that we've been tempted. So if you think about the times that you're tempted in your relationship with God, you're tempted away from that relationship, tempted by Satan, often it's when you're tired. It's when you're worn out. It's when you're exhausted, your defenses are low. So in that moment when Jesus' defenses would be not similar to ours, but he would be tired and worn out just like we get tired and worn out. That's when Satan came in and tempted him with power and pleasure and prestige And Jesus effectively battled the enemy. And here's a scary thing that the enemy used. He used the Bible against Jesus. He used the Bible. Satan knows the Bible. And so that's why it's so important for us to know the Bible. When, you know, somebody just says something from in the Bible, says the Bible says, if I ever say the Bible says, look it up. Make sure it says that. Don't just take my word for it. I mean, go home and flip your Bible up and start reading. Find out, does it say in the Bible what I'm telling you that it says? So Jesus used the Bible effectively against Satan. Every time Satan came at him using the Bible, he came right back using the Bible correctly and he cut through Satan's lies to reveal what they really were. So we've got to become lifelong students of this thing called the Bible. It's our offensive weapon. And we've said in this series that we need to learn the truth by studying the Bible. We need to live the truth by applying the Bible. And we need to speak the truth so other people can hear it as well. Now, for those of you who are interested in growing in your knowledge of the Bible and how to use it, we make a a tool available to you each week. It's called the Spiritual Growth Challenge. So that's that paper that's around you. I encourage you to grab that and hold on to that for just a second, kind of look over it. I'm going to go over a few things on it in just a minute, but we've got some prayer encouragements there, some 
questions that you can process through to dig a little deeper in that. We've got some, some challenges for you to go and do some things. So this is a great tool if you want to either continue to grow in your relationship with God or if you're new and want to begin learning how to use the Bible, this would be a tool that you can use. Now, often each week we've got these back at our Connection Center or you can download them off of our website. So if we don't have an extra one today, you can pick up a copy off of our website. Now, verse 18 tells us to pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, prayer is another one of our offensive weapons to use against our enemy. It's through prayer that we tap into the supernatural power of God. Now, here's the reality. Prayer can do things that we cannot physically do. There are things that only prayer can do that we just can't do. Like we just can't, we're not strong enough, we're not smart enough, we're just not whatever enough, but prayer can. And I don't fully understand prayer. I mean, to be honest, as a pastor, I, mean, I don't fully understand how prayer works. All I know is the Bible teaches that we should pray and talk to our heavenly father and ask him to intervene, ask him to step in. So that's what we should be doing, learning how to pray. It's just a conversation between us and the creator of the universe, like you're talking with the the dad that you love. And I'm not sure if you have a great relationship with your dad or not, but that's what the Bible describes. Our relationship with God is a relationship where we can have like a great relationship between a father and a child. So it's just like saying, hey, dad, I need some help. It's just a conversation we have all the time. And Paul says, hey, learn how to pray without ceasing. Like pray all the time. And so we need to learn how to pray on a consistent basis. It helps us to stay alert in this great battle that we're in. Okay, so that's our armor and our weapons, and we have to learn how to use them on a daily basis. And to remember how important God's armor is, I've come up with a bottom line statement. So it's similar to the bottom line statement that Tim came up with last week. And, and you know, every once in a while, we work on these bottom line statements to help us remember uh, the, the main point of the message. And here's why we do that. I know what happens for you because it happens to me. Uh, when I go to lunch, someone says, hey, how was church today? And I'm like, it was good. What was it about? I'm not really sure. Like we forget quickly and I'm the one that usually gives the talk. So like I forget like what I said within a short amount of time. So if you're not taking notes, like it's easy to forget stuff. And so it happens to me, it happens to all of us. So with these bottom line statements, it can help us remember, make a connection to remember, which helps us to apply. So if we can remember a little statement, it's just like Tim's great statement last week, fight for we, not me. So next time you get into an argument with somebody, I hope that that will come to your mind and you'll think it's way more important to fight for we than it is to fight for me. All right, so this one's a little bit corny, but if corny will work, I'm happy with corny, all right? So here we go. Wear it all so you won't fall, all right? So corny, yep, I know. So here we go. Let's say it together, all right, everybody? So here we go. Wear it all so you won't fall. So we have to wear all of God's armor so we won't fall to the strategies of the devil. If we don't wear all of it, there's a greater chance that the enemy will see that. And he'll see, hey, that person didn't put the breastplate of righteousness on. They aren't living the way that they should. I'll attack that way. They don't have their helmet of salvation on. They're not sure they have a relationship with God. They're wandering around wondering. I'm gonna attack through their mind. So we have to wear all of God's armor. 
so we won't fall. Now, here's my challenge for this week. I challenge you to put on all of God's armor every day this week. And I've got a little tool to help you with that. So it is our spiritual growth challenge. So grab that for just a moment. And up in the top part, under the God section, I encourage you to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 all week long. So if you start your day with reading, I think that'd be a great time. Before you start your day, just get up, read Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, process through that. Ask God to teach you, show you something new as you read through that all week long. And then under the grow section, I have an armor of God prayer. And I'm gonna read through this thing real quick just so you get kind of an idea of what prayer can be like. And there's nothing magical about these words. It's just this declaration. And it's just an opportunity for us to talk to our heavenly father in a, in a morning or throughout the day. And I encourage you to pray through this every day this week and then maybe several times throughout the day. So here's how this prayer goes. God, I realize that I cannot battle the enemy without wearing the armor you make available. So today, I commit to wear all of your armor and stand firm in your mighty power. Today, I put on the belt of truth and reject all of Satan's lies. I will tell the truth in all of my interactions. I put on the body armor of right living and will live as you desire. I put on the shoes of peace and commit to bring the good news of Jesus to those who don't know him, I will hold high my shield of faith and have confidence in what you are doing in my life. I put on my helmet of salvation, knowing that our relationship is based on what you have done for me, not what I have done for you. I commit to reading my Bible every day this week. I realize it is the sword of the spirit and will help me offensively fight against the enemy. I also commit to pray throughout the day and stay alert to the attacks of the enemy. I pray this in Jesus' powerful name, amen. Now that's the prayer I encourage you to pray all week long, pray it in the morning, and then throughout the day, just check in with yourself. Like, I, like, I, I encourage you, as you're praying that, like mentally go through the process of what it would be like to put some of this armor on put the belt on, to put your shoes on. Like when you get dressed, I mean, you pretty much do all that stuff, maybe not the helmet. Hopefully you're not wearing a helmet all day long. <laughs> but just think through what it would be like to put this armor on. And then throughout the day, check back and see, do I still have my helmet on? Am I still wearing my, my body armor? Do I still have my shield next to me? Do I have my sword in my hand or have I laid it down? All right, so that's the end for us today. Thank you so much for being here with this. Ephesians 6, great, powerful passage. I encourage you to continue to read it all week long, and I know God will continue to use it greatly in our lives. Now I'm gonna pray, and then Cody's gonna come up and give us some closing announcements. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for the power of your written word, and we have it to guide our lives. Lord, we don't have to wander around through life wondering what we're supposed to do. We don't have to just rely on our hearts and say, well, our heart will always lead us to a good place. Lord, we know that about us isn't true. We know that there's stuff in our hearts that just isn't right, and it leads us to wrong places. And so we need to learn to fight effectively. We need to learn to fight in your ways and for your ways. We need to learn to use your, your armor that you provide us and the, the sword of the spirit in prayer on a consistent basis. So Lord, I pray for all of us that you would help us to really get serious about this and to understand that every day 
We're in a spiritual battle that rages all around us and we have a real enemy who wants to devour us. But help us to live life with that kind of urgency that we are in a battle and it matters for us to put on our armor and keep it on all day long. Lord, help us to do that this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now for myself and my wife, um, we're invested in our student ministry here, Surge. So we tend to have to put on our armor quite often. Not for the students, but usually me and my wife, we don't fight very often. But it is almost if we have something big going on with Surge, um, whether it be our summer camp, um, uh, a very heavy message, anything like that, we can almost bet that that day something big is going to happen. And normally, it's probably something stupid I say, but it tends to vester. And halfway through, we're like, wow, Satan, yeah, that's good. Good one on that. So we have to prepare ourselves way beforehand. We usually get with our small group and we're like, we have something huge going on this week. Just be praying for us that Satan will stay away, we'll be protected. And we put on our armor. So we have to fully indulge in that. We have to prepare ourselves well beforehand because God does not like us to invest in others that are building a relationship with God. So um, definitely do that. Does anybody remember the tagline that he had for today, that Trent had? That's right. Correct. So as you're going through the week, if you struggle with that, keep on using the spiritual growth challenge that he has, that paper next to you. Um, but my name's Cody Anderson, and I am the youth leader, or our student leader here uh, for our Surge Youth Ministry. And this coming up Friday, um, if you are in 7th to 12th grade, we are going to be having an event over at Palm Coast Community Church at 630. So if you're in those grades, come check it out. We're going to be having a blast. And also, we are growing with Surge. We have a lot of students coming, and they keep on inviting students. So we are in desperate need of volunteers. So if you're interested in that, if it's pressing upon your heart, I'm going to be over in the back corner over there. If you have any questions, if you need a packet to fill out, uh, come over there and we'll do the best to help you plug in. And as you walk out, you'll also see the Christmas tree over there all lit up. Uh, That is our giving tree. And we had you, as an epic, nominate 30 families to go on that tree. So um, that may need a little help throughout this holiday season. So what you're going to see on the tag, you're going to see toys on there. uh, You're going to see clothes on there, gift cards, um, because we want to be able to give gift cards to parents. Um, They know their their, uh, children best. They know exactly what they need. Um, And we want to make it as easy as possible for them to be able to give the gifts to the children that they know that they need. Um, Also, we are partnering up with Alpha Pregnancy Center, um, and you're going to see little tags on there that have uh, baby clothes and other needs, and we want to be able to help supply them with uh, any needs that they may have for pregnant um, mothers or uh, uh, new mothers to come in and get what they need through the holiday season. And a new thing that we're doing is that we're going to be having a breakfast for our police officers here in Flagler County. So you're going to see tags that have Panera Bread gift cards on there, and we're going to be having a bagel breakfast for them. So you can take those home, um, and you can get your gifts. This is going to be the last week to take off the tree, so on your way out, definitely grab as many as you like. And next week is going to be the last week to bring them back. That is going to be our cutoff line. So you want to bring them back, put the tag on it, and they're going to have a location there um, for you to be able to set that over there. 
And then also, talking about giving, um, if you call Epic your home and you'd like to give to what we're doing here in the community and what we do here in service, there's two ways that you can give. You can give online at theepicchurch.com or you can give in the giving boxes, which are right behind you. And if you're new here to Epic, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us. Um, We're glad that you're here. On your way out, stop by the Connection Center over in the corner. Uh, We have a little information for you to tell you exactly what Epic's all about. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Enjoy your week and wear your armor. Have a great week.